And good morning, Sheila. How are you today? Wayne, I'm great. How are you today? We are doing well. Thank you very much. Good. And welcome everyone to 27 Minutes with Sheila and Wayne, where we talk about skills that have been learned, forgotten, and or totally abandoned at times. <laughs> Sheila, what are we talking about today? You know, this is a topic that has turned out to be so much more interesting than I originally thought. The word is, the verb is remember. And I have loved the different paths and I've learned so much about uh, exploring this word. So, but I'd love to hear you start with your points that you've explored. I would be delighted to. And you're right. This was a different verb than what we have had in the past. And it took me down, wow, memory lane, if you will. And okay. As well as doing a little bit of research on my own. But I have four approaches that I wanted to talk to about okay. this verb. Great. Things that I, were t I was told to remember. Mm. Things that I was advised to remember. <laughs> things that I wanted to remember. Mm -hmm. And things that I learned to remember. Ah. So that's where I'm going. Where are you going? I am going with actually, I started thinking about Alzheimer's patients and the, um, the fact that some of them can't remember language, but can sing and remember childhood songs. So I, I started going down that path and learned some really interesting things. Um, I um, went down the path of an organizational psychologist who came up with a three-step process to improve your memory. And even I was looking at nutritional um, uh, methods to improve your memory. Um, and then started thinking about forgetting too, and how sometimes forgetting is more important than remembering when it comes to certain topics. So, but I love how you've organized yours. So let's start, let's start there. <laughs> okay. The things that I was told to remember, my mom and dad taught me long ago, and I'm sure this is not any rocket science for anyone. I'm sure all of us have heard these things treat others the way that you would mm. like to be treated. Mm -hmm. I rem <laughs> and so I was told to do that. I was told to respect my elders. I was told to respect everyone. I was told by my mom and dad to approach things as I would want other people to approach things, mm. doing it correctly, doing it with a lot of good intentions behind it, and um, saying thank you to those who helped nice. you get there. Nice. <laughs> those are wonderful lessons to teach children. I, I think they are. How about you? What was what's one of your things on, on the on the remembering part of and, and I'm gonna say the nutrition part. That was exciting to me. Yeah. So um certainly everybody knows eating fish is good for you, nuts are good, but it turns out Vitamin D is a really big uh, uh, focus on um, improving your memory. And we're not even talking about just remembering. We're talking about improving your memory. And then sadly for me, less sugar was an important component because that is my addiction. So, so I've got to now weigh the consequences of every cookie. And I'm a little resentful about that. I have to tell you the truth. <laughs> so I have to stop eating ice cream. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I think just be mindful of... <laughs> <laughs> How often? Okay. You know, I mean, is this ice cream going to wipe a year of memory out of the last years of my life? I don't know. Is it worth it? You know, think about it. Just think about it. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> One of my other ones, things that I was advised to remember, 
when I started teaching, um, one of my one of my mentors on my on my graduate committee told me, he said, Wayne, now when you start teaching, there's some things that you're going to have to remember, and this is the this is the one key that you're going to need to have in your back pocket all the time. He said, remember that everyone that you teach does not want to get an A. Interesting. He said there are A students, there are B students, and there are C students. Hmm. And I struggled with that because I, I, you know, here I am in front of this group and trying to extend some knowledge and, and get them all ready and up to speed. And I, I found over time that he was absolutely correct. There are people who didn't want to be A students. They just were in the class because they had to be there. And that was it. They were going to do what they needed to do to get by get their C, and move on. That's good information to know. I found that to also be true in the workplace. Yes, are, I was just thinking that too. There are A, B, and C employees, and some Ds and Fs as well, mm. and we have to tend to all of those, don't we? Yes, we do. I mean, we're forced to sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. How about you? What's another one for you? Well, I did want to say one thing I was thinking of as you were talking about things you were told to remember when you were young. Uh -huh. uh, one of one of one of the ones I remember my dad teaching, perhaps by example, but also words was, "Don't ever go back the same way you came." <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> so he was a big hiker, um, and not a conspiracy theorist. In case that's where your head was going with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So um, let me tell you real quick some of the. Um, the three steps that they talked about that uh, Adam Grant, the organizational psychologist, talked about uh, how to remember, because some of the, these things I've done instinctively, you know, when you're a parent, you're helping your child study too. But the first one is to quiz yourself when you're trying to learn new material. And so using flip cards or just uh, um, asking yourself the question, flipping the paper over and trying to answer the question. Uh, step number two is to summarize and share with someone else. And I will tell you, my dog Zeke has been the recipient of many lessons he, <laughs> and he's very quiet about it. I'm sure he knows that he just doesn't share it back. And then finally, connect what you've learned to, to an experience you previously had. So create a context for it. Um, and one of the ways to, to develop a con context memory is to, for instance, um, if you're taking a test, chew the same gum you chewed when you were studying for the test wear the same shirt you were wearing when you were studying for the test, have the same noise level if that's under your control as you had when you were studying for the test. And this one, I really hate to say this, but even though <laughs> if you were, this is a college one that people used to say, and I did not believe, but now I re reluctantly understand there's some basis to it. If you're drunk when you're studying, get drunk when you take your test too. Oh, my goodness. I know it's slower, but you might remember it more. Now, I do not advocate that. We are not advocating that. So maybe maybe the flip side of that is you're, if you're sober when you're studying, be sober when you sober take when the you, test. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Okay, that's a better way of putting it. All right. You know, what? one of my classmates um, at grad school did something, and at the end of the presentation, he told us why he did it. And I have to tell you, I think it worked because you know how you have in a, in a class, whether it's high school, college, or it doesn't matter. But as you learn things to pass the test, if you think they're inconsequential, you don't remember those things mm. as long as you would other things, correct? 
Yeah, so that's part of creating a, a attaching it to a to a context in your life already. So making that's, an application, applying that's, it. That's right. So when you said Adam Grant, that reminded me of my classmate because he said Adam Grant, and he Ooh. talked about this technique. So while he, while they while his group was doing their presentation, he went around and gave us all an orange slice and a piece of candy. Hmm. And as, as we were eating the orange slice and the piece of candy and divulging the information that they were giving us, mm -hmm. five weeks later, they come back and do another presentation and said, now, remember when we talked about, and we go, oh yeah. And we didn't know why we yeah. remembered that. But he brought the oranges out and the candy again. And as you just said, you, <laughs> and so, you remind me of that. And I'm like, I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> that is fascinating. Really, it when is. you think of how you can use that information. It is. It is. So the next time you're doing a presentation, give people, you know, take them snacks. <laughs> well, and, you know, one of the snacks that might be helpful is another n nutritional item that they said can help with memory is dark chocolate. So make but, sure that piece of candy is also brain healthy. But no ice cream because of the no sugar, ice cream. right? Right, right. Don't, don't no, forget no exactly cream. what you heard. <laughs> sadly, very sadly. All right. Here's here's something that I wanted to remember. As through life, through work, through school, through whatever, there are things that you want to remember. I was um, I was a number two many times. I was number two. I enjoyed being number one. I enjoyed being number two just as, as much. Um, but being number two, you had, I had different kinds of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I had to do a lot of follow-up. I had to do a lot of evoking information. I had to do a lot of communications with individuals to find out what the boss wanted. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I realized <laughs> within the first 15 minutes of doing this, <laughs> and even though I had the job for about a year, I need to write this stuff down. Because I'm not going to remember who I talked to. I'm not going to remember if it was complete. I'm not going to remember any of those facts or aspects of the uh, of the task at hand. So I long ago learned, I always carried my spiral, a little mm. uh, steno pad. You know what a steno pad yes, is, right? Yes, sure do, yeah. And I made this um, code thing for myself where I would draw a line and have a time and a date of when I met with someone or when I was supposed to meet with someone, um, I would have notes. And it was, it was, uh, I never took shorthand, but I had my own little codes that I could mm -hmm. mark on that line and said, I talked to, I talked to Sheila at this time. This is what we talked about. And I'm going to re-engage with Sheila tomorrow to get this complete. Or I would have little tick marks or, or lines or squiggles, that said, this task is complete and we will see the benefit of this, you know, in, in this matter of days. So I, so I wanted to remember those things. Right. And, and I knew I couldn't do it without, uh, hmm, writing that down. So, so question for you. Yes, ma'am. Was it just, was it in part the very act of writing it down that helped you remember? And did you find, or did you find you had to refer to your notes did, or did what I'm saying is, did you find that just having written it down, were you able to recall that information more clearly without having to refer back to your notes? The latter is 
true. However, I use the notes as a crutch. Good. Just to make sure, almost like a checklist that a pilot yeah. uses a checklist for landing, takeoff, you know, yeah. getting the plane or the aircraft yes. ready. Yes. Um, so they do it every day and they use a checklist every, t- every time. Um, and it's not because they can't remember. It's just to make sure that they don't forget right. any, anything. That's and so, great. and so I use it as, as my checklist. So every day I would go over my notes at the end of the day mm-hmm. and I would say, okay, yep, 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 yep. And I would write down extensive notes for tomorrow because I knew things that I needed to complete, hadn't get done or did complete. And so when tomorrow came, I would look over my list again and go, okay, these things I need to do today. And I never missed any of those things. Now, <laughs> I might have missed, go ahead, sorry. I, I might have missed some deadlines <laughs> um, because, you know, people and things happen, but yes, I never I... missed the opportunity to know when, where, who, what, and why was happening. That's an excellent organizational tool. I, I have for years told my husband that if he doesn't see me write it down, it doesn't count as telling me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that says more about me than him. <laughs> I, I like that. Next one for you. This was fascinating. As I was researching, again, the Alzheimer's patients who can sing even if they can't remember how to talk, yes. I found myself finding the conclu- a meta-analysis of several different studies on memory ret- and retention that said 64% of musicians are less likely to, to develop mild cognitive impairment or dementia. That's significant, 64%. So, really? yeah, so I'm t- starting this afternoon. I'm going to pick up a musical instrument and start learning how to play it. <laughs> it may be too late. I don't know. I have to research more. <laughs> do you play an instrument? I do not, but hmm. I, I have read studies where I, I play board games. Yes, you I, do. I have read studies where playing board games or playing pu- or, or doing puzzles. Yeah. yes helps extend that that aspect as well yes where yes, dementia those and, and those yeah. things don't set in um right. now i don't know the percentages but but mm-hmm. i have heard that and they say the trick is not to do the same puzzle or game all the time so Be- it's not always the new york times crossword puzzle it it, it could be because there's going to be different aspects of that puzzle because i think okay. The, the puzzles come in with the different themes, don't they? Yes, yes. Where you have to think differently. But if, let's say you did tic-tac-toe all the time. Da, da, da. We all know that tic-tac-toe is, it's it's a finite kind of thing because it's, if you know how to play it well, you're going to end up in a cat's game, correct? Yes, yes. All right. And you do the same moves over and over. And you do the same moves over and over and over. So the studies that I've read said, do play a different game. Okay. Don't, don't repeat the same game, you know, 10 times, 15 times, five years, because that part of your brain is now locked into that. And the other uh-huh. parts that this that this whole analogy is is talking about using your whole brain doesn't mm-hmm. work because if you're just using Avenue A and B, the others erode. Gotcha. And so, you know, I, I play multiple board games and, and I like it. And yes. Yeah. Now, where did I put my car keys? <laughs> well, that's another thing. I don't... <laughs> Who here, raise your hand if you've ever 
uh, had to go into the last room you were in to try to remember what you came into this room to look for. <laughs> <laughs> Understand. But that's fascinating. 64%. 64%. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is really nice. And that's singing or just playing an instrument, correct? Playing, playing an instrument. Playing an instrument. Well, yep. I think I might have to go bang on the piano that's behind me here. I'm thinking the bagpipes might be good to start. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. He, here's one going to my categories. Yes. What, what another thing that I learned to do, mm -hmm. being the boss, having to write appraisals, um, it's not hard. It could be difficult, but it's not hard if you are prepared to do that. Does mm -hmm. that make sense so far? Yes. Okay, this is where I'm going with that. Now, you write appraisals typically on an annual basis, right? Yes. If I have one direct person that directly reports to me, okay, a year, ah, that's okay. I, you know, I can remember some things that have happened. I can look at, at uh, the, the boards and see what has happened and remember that, that Wayne did this. But if I have 10, 15 reports, direct reports who work for me, um, I could get, that could become muddy water. What I learned to do as a boss was to have my little black book. Mm -hmm. And my little black book was not only for the bad things that happened, but it was for the great things mm -hmm. that happened too. Mm. And this was a duality because not only did I write down, well, maybe more than a duality, not only did I write down the good things that Joe, Jane, Sally, Jim did, I also wrote down what they did, being specific, what it created or what it um, changed, how it impacted the organization so that I could put that in the appraisal and not forget. Because if, if Jim does something in the first quarter, and it's the last quarter. I'm now writing the appraisal. I'm thinking, oh, what did he do? Oh, that's right. Yeah. What did he, he do? But if I have it written down, it's already there. And when the big boss comes, think of, think of a huge corporation where the headquarters is in California and they have company or they have companies or, or parts of the organization scattered throughout the world. All right? Right. So the big boss is going to come and everybody's excited. And we're, let's say we're in Japan and the big boss from California is coming to the industry that, that, that I'm running out there in Japan. And he's not going to know everybody who works for me. He's not going right. to know everybody who works there. And they're probably not going to really recognize or know him unless, wow, we, we, we kind of say, hey, big boss is coming. Right. Go, oh, yeah. This who. But when the big boss comes and I have the opportunity to meet with her or him, I sit down with them and say, okay, now remember, Jim is the guy who did this for the organization. And you said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Jim. So, so the duality is not only do I have this history in front of me of what Jim and Jane did so I could write their appraisals, but when the big boss came or when a dignitary would come or when somebody would come and we go to go take them around and introduce them to the people that are working with us here in this space, I can alert them and say, 
okay, now Sheila is the person who did this. Jim is the person who did that. Wayne did this. So they can go out there and say, hey, Wayne, thank you very much. Hey, Sheila, thank you very much. And not only say thank you, but Sheila, thank you for the whatever it was that you did. So specificity comes in where it sounds like they know what you did. Well, they do know what you did, but you know what? You're one in a in hundred thousand of, of employees. That's got to go a long way in but terms of motivating people and encouraging ex- them. Exactly. And and I found that to be that great tool to do that because when you get recognized for something specifically that you've done, you feel much better than somebody just comes yeah. and say, hey, thanks for working with us. Right. Or thanks for being on the team, right? Absolutely. So that's, that's a great technique. That's a, a technique that I learned and, uh, you know, for, to, to this day. I mm-hmm. still do that. I still write those things down and given the opportunity, I'm going to brag on my people. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> with, spec- with specificity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're a very positive person. And so it just makes sense too, that um, you encourage that in other people. I, I try. I try. Sometimes they, they think I get in the way, but I try. Yep. How about you? What's, what do you have next? So one of my fond things to do is to sit with my mom, who's um, in great health in her 90s, and um, listen to some of the stories of her childhood and her adventures, because she had a very adventuresome life. And sometimes I love to videotape it. I'm going to have a YouTube channel. I'm going to upload those so my sisters and cousins can hear some of those great stories, too, because the videos are too big to just send over a text or email. So... Uh, there's there's just something really valuable in reflecting on the past, um, especially if you've got someone who's a good storyteller. Wow, very cool. Very cool. Can you give us an example of a story that she has has offered? <laughs> she was telling me just the other day about um, um, a story as a young wife um, and a husband who had been through pretty severe injuries and in rehab. And he and some other buddies who were all um, really good <laughs> soldiers um, had taken a hike and they got lost. And she and the other wives decided they would wait until the next morning. They didn't get lost. There was a swamp that wasn't on the map. Need to read. So, <laughs> so she said she. It was one of the the times when she was the good wife and said, "Don't call." the soldiers out to go look for them, wait for an hour after daylight. Anyway, it was just a good story. They did show up. And the, my dad's first question was, you didn't call and ask them to come look for us, right? <laughs> so that would have been a career changer. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to 27 Minutes with Sheila and Wayne. And for more information, you can find Sheila. Where can where can they find you, Sheila? At zekeandsheila.com, my website. And also there's an email link there too. Oh, and what's the email? You just fill. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My long email is smcfb99 at yahoo.com. We're working on that, Wayne. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you can find me at mindsyncing.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-Y-N-C-I-N-G.com. Or you can email me at wayne at mindsyncing.com. And you can ask Sheila or I any questions, offer some verbs that you would like us to talk yes. to in the business context or personal context. But because remember, this is we're, we're all doing this for the relationships that we have and relationships go beyond just our personal side. Relationships are also in the workplace. So yes. give us a, give us a holler, give us a call, give us an email and let us continue with this with some verbs that you want to talk about. Right. Another thing that I learned, 
and I typically did this at work. I still do this um, because I, I like to nudge individuals because if you see, Sheila, you have been a boss. You have seen, you know, people who have potential, correct? Absolutely. You can see it. And, and I, don't, I don't know if there's a book that says this is how you see potential in people, but we learn over time to recognize potential, sometimes beyond what individuals think that they are capable of themselves, right? Right. So as I see these individuals, I nudge them and I push them and I challenge them a little bit, but I also make sure that I prepare them, giving them the tools that they need to be successful. Yes meaning going through training, sending them to a college class or a workshop or a seminar or whatever that might be, um, or having it in in-service. We used to have these things in the hospital called in-service. And mm -hmm. in-service was where we taught each other aspects of things that we knew and seemed to do better than other individuals or just something that we work with all the time and mm -hmm. wanted a refresher on. So anyway, on these in-service, and some of the individuals would tell me, oh, that's too stressful. I can't do it. Here's one of the things that I learned. All stress is not bad. Right. I enjoyed being under pressure when I competed. I used to swim competitively. Um, I used to play tennis competitively. I did. I, I, was, I, was, a, I was on the speech team in high school um, and in college. And I, I enjoyed those things. But it was very stressful times. Being a professor was a stressful time. However, yeah. it made me be better. Now, overstressing and understressing are the two extremes. I had to find that, and there is that equilibrium where the stress level is just right to get you to where you need to be. As a professor, I always stressed out, am I going to know enough information to offer the students when we are in class or when I'm doing presentations in front of my clients, am I, am I going to be prepared enough? And I sometimes would over-prepare. Um, I under-prepared once, and that never happened again. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that was not pretty. <laughs> but, but I learned that stress is not all bad. Anyway, that's what I learned. How about you? Anything else? Well, the, the last point I was thinking about when it comes to remembering is actually there are times when not remembering is the healthiest option. It's hard to figure out a context in the workplace where that would be the case, but certainly for people who have experienced heavy trauma or post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, I uh, was reading about sometimes um, learning to forget um, or to just uh, selectively forget can be the healthiest way going forward. I think one of our podcasts before I told you one of my bosses in the writing things down told me, oh, yeah. And remember, remind me tomorrow that I'm <laughs> that mad, I'm mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> and Sheila, as I'm looking at the clock, I'm afraid it's that time, my friend. It's that time. Okay. Well, remember what we talked about today and remember that when it all settles down, it seems like it ends up with relationships and verbs. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback and uh, contact us soon. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.